My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. After a truly extraordinary week in the history of America, I'm delighted to be joined, as always, by Marion McKeown of the Sunday Business Post, Today FM, NPR, BBC World Service, you name it, she's done it, she's been there for so long. But I doubt, Marion, that you've ever seen a July 4th quite like it. The celebrations cut short as word of this shooting travels around. But even up to that point, I'd imagine that there was kind of a muted celebration as this is a country that doesn't really know where it is at this point. Yes, you know, to to both those things. And I've got to say, Fourth of July is usually a holiday in America where who doesn't like burgers and hot dogs and beer and fireworks? You know, it's it's sort of a one size yeah. fits all day out, whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a bunch of friends hanging out. You know, it's as I say, it's it's one of those holidays that everybody can get into. And, it, you know, there's nothing complicated about it. Uh, but this year it was. You know, we we usually have a gathering um, on on a rooftop um, in in West Hollywood where f- friends of mine live, and and the view is spectacular. It's a three hundred and sixty degree view. You can see the hills, the mountains, and the whole city, and you can see miles and miles of fireworks. So you know, and it's always great fun. But this year it was it was very different because first of all, as you say, you had the Highland Park shooting, and every time. There's a shooting in America. And I've got to say, you know, I don't, my friends are from across the spectrum. Some would be, regard themselves as independents who might or might not vote Republicans. Some are former Republicans who who say that they can't in all conscience vote for the party in the way it is in the moment. And some are Democrats and, and some are actually politically sort of throwing their hands up and going, look, it doesn't matter who's in power, it's all the same, you know, so mm. politically agnostic. So, but there there was a common thread this year and it was, I think the Supreme Court is what really, two things, firstly, Highland Park, where it was, the, you know, the 4th of July, it's like, for God's sake, this is a holiday that is not in any way, you know, partisan, it's not owned by anybody, it's literally owned by the people and it's, you know, they have parades. It's it's very much a neighborhood and a family holiday, local parades, the kids from the high school band, all that kind of thing. You know, there there's very little not to like about it, just as a day off, you know, for, mm. for um Americans. And for this guy to to get up on a roof and just fire randomly at you know, a local parade in Highland Park in Chicago, killing a seventy-eight-year-old grandfather who was there with his grandkids and his family to see the parade, killing a whole bunch of you know, seven people dead, others injured, countless traumatized, one poor little two-year-old boy there with both his parents, they were both shot dead. He was found wandering 
on his own and, and is now with his grandparents, thankfully. But, you know, both his parents shot dead the, on, the, on the day of just taking their little boy to, to uh, show him a family parade. It's, it's, it's very, very hard to, to make sense of this. And it's also, there is a point where you do, like Illinois does have some of the strictest gun laws in the country and, and all credit to them and all credit to their, their governor, J.B. Pritzker, who came out very strongly. And you could really connect with his anger, his heartbreak and his frustration. Interruption. If you're angry today, I'm here to tell you, be angry. I'm furious. I'm furious that yet more innocent lives were taken by gun violence. I'm furious that their loved ones are forever broken by what took place today. I'm furious that children and their families have been traumatized. I'm furious that this is happening in communities all across Illinois and America. I'm furious because it does not have to be this way. And yet we as a nation, well, we continue to allow this to happen. While we celebrate the 4th of July just once a year, mass shootings have become our weekly, yes, weekly American tradition. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You can introduce the strongest anti-gun laws in the world. But if the Supreme Court the previous week has struck down a law, which also would have affected Illinois, a New York law that says, um, you know, basically anyone in America can carry a concealed weapon anytime they want. You know, mm. um, it, it, the frustration of that where it, it, it's undermining any work within the states to try and keep you know, a lid on their gun problems. Now, I'm not saying that that caused it, but again, it was a 22-year-old guy with an assault weapon. And you just think, how many times does this have to happen before assault weapons are banned? Now, I know that banning them isn't going to get rid of them. Millions of them, you would have to have an amnesty buyback. It worked in Australia, it worked in New Zealand. Uh, and I know that Americans would go crazy, but there is no justification for saying, Oh, the Second Amendment at a time when they had muskets, for heaven's sake, you know, that they anticipated that every disturbed or angry or, you know, um, extremist or, or domestic terrorist in America could get their hands on an assault weapon as easily as they could get their hands on a pizza almost and, and, and wreak havoc with it. You, you know, and for the Supreme Court to say, to, to gloss over that this was what the founding fathers intended is so disingenuous and it's such a nonsense. Bill Clinton banned assault weapons in 1994. To get it through Parliament, he did a 10-year ban and, and it was assumed it was, that the next president would renew it and that it wouldn't be a big deal. Now, in that time, mass shootings dropped by well over, I think it was 30 to 40%. There was a huge drop in them. And I'm talking specifically like there are mass shootings with handguns. A mass shooting is, is defined as a shooting in which four or more people are killed or injured. So you can still have mass shootings with handguns. They happen tragically in families a lot. They happen, you know, in neighborhoods, arguments between neighbors. Um, and so, but the, the sort of, of mass shootings that really plummeted in incidents were the ones in schools, the ones in theaters, the ones in nightclubs, the ones where a guy will go into a workplace and where they can take out 20, 30, or in the case of the Las Vegas shooting in 2018, over 60 people in minutes. And, and and so, 
you know, Clinton got that through and all credit to him. And then Bush came in, of course, George W. Bush, who was in the pocket of the gun lobby, and he immediately just let it expire and, and refused to renew it. And then we saw these, these um, mass shootings surge again. So there are things that can be done. Like Americans will never give up the right to own guns, but they don't have to have the right for any American who fancies to own an assault weapon. They, it it seems that right so straightforward, doesn't it? It just, it just seems so clear as day that these particular weapons, yeah. it, even if we set aside the view or the, uh, what is it they're referring to the Supreme Court, this kind of literal interpretation of the Constitution, if we even set that aside yeah. to one moment and just say that there's a high-powered vehicle on the streets that's uh, uncontrollable in the wrong hands and causing m multiple pileups, I mean, that yeah. car would be taken off the road. Uh, but this is a, another issue. If we pull back the lens even further, Marion, I'd love to ask your opinion on this. And that's in terms of you mentioned the the homegrown terrorist, which was, again, a term that was probably coined around the time of Timothy McVeigh. And again, around the time of Columbine, there's references to teenagers becoming over-violenced or radicalized in some way. I'm seeing it again, that there's a view that there's a new type of radical uh, shooter teenage shooter that they're identifying as a specific type that this Cremo character fits into, who is uh, playing video games of a certain type and is desensitized to violence early on in life. Have you heard any discussion of this? And do you put any stock on that kind of thing? Because I guess I'm, I'm more focused on you know my own son and seeing exactly the gun fascination among he and his peers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there are so many aspects to this. There, there is no one-size-fits-all profile. A lot of these cases, they seem to have come from disturbed or unhappy homes, for starters, a lot of these kids. Um, in, the, in the case of, of um, this guy, uh, it, it, it was um, his, his old coach said that he and his younger brother when they were like seven, eight years old, were always the kids who were left last, whose parents either forgot to pick them up from school or were, you know, too busy. And I think his father owned a restaurant and his, his mother is, is a, a healer, I believe. But apparently as young children, they were sort of neglected was, was the word that he used, that they would, the, the parents would simply just leave them, you know, in the, in the school after school program for hours after it ended. Uh, you have other cases of like the, the, um, the teenager who who uh, killed the nineteen children in Uvalde and and the two school teachers who was apparently bullied mercilessly at school. So it seems you have types that are these unhappy kids who are loners who who are bullied or who are neglected at home or mm. possibly both neglected at home and bullied in school. Um, and you know they they are a different strain to the the sort of politically motivated domestic terrorists. Like, as you say, the, the Timothy McVeigh's, the, the, the sort of the guys who will go in and the white supremacists who will go into a, a, a black church and, and shoot dead black people worshipping in there just because they're black, you know, like, like as, as happened in Buffalo. So it seems you have different strands. You have the 
and you have the people who are who are outright mentally unstable as well. Um, you know, it's interesting to me that it's never been revealed the 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 and my goodness, his name has gone out of my head. But the the man he was an elder older man who was in his fifties, late fifties, who um, shot the sixty people in in uh, Las Vegas. That yes. basically just the. You know, everything just covered up around him very quickly. I remember asking a friend of mine in the FBI and saying, what is the story there? How, you know, usually people come out and they'll have information and they'll have, and yet, you know, there, that that case was was never really dug into. Like, nobody ever got an idea who this guy really was or, or what had, had prompted him to do what he did. And that was, of course, we're talking 60 people just mowed down in the space of 10 minutes. Um so I I, th- I think that there is no one size, you know, people say, oh, there's violence in America, there's video games. But my response to that is that everything that you see in American culture is exported. It's exported to Europe, it's exported to Australia, it's exported to Indonesia, it's exported around the world. American culture, American movies, American video games, they're all exported. You don't see children in other places in the world, or if you do, it's so rare that it's really, really shocking. You don't see teenagers and young men um, in other countries in the world getting hold of guns and going into schools and, and shooting everyone in sight or going into, you know, going to a, a parade, a celebration and, and, and shooting people. So I think that you've got to, you know, it's, it's like the NRA always, oh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. But you've got to factor in that the availability of guns, that America is so awash in guns, that it's so easy to get them, is letting these children act out in ways that they can't do in other countries, even if they had the same impulses, because they just can't get their hands on the guns. Can I ask you one final question here in relation to that very topic? Because in order to, as you mentioned, obtain a gun or ammunition in Illinois, people must get this firearm owner's identification card. It's issued by the state police. It can be denied for all sorts of reasons, including the applicant poses a clear and present danger to the community. Now, this Cremo guy, state yeah. police had been notified in 2019 yeah. that uh, he had threatened to kill his family. Mm-hmm. Three months later, he applies for the firearm identification card and got it since yes. the police said that there was nothing to indicate a clear and present danger. What do you know about what I've just said there? And is there any more detail emerging that you can tell us about? Well, basically, the police also removed um, multiple knives and and other weapons from his home that time. Like the guy had been stockpiling. At that point, he hadn't obviously been able to get a gun, but he had stockpiled, um, you know, other deadly weapons, mainly like knives, well over a dozen knives. And the police removed those from the home. So why on earth then they would take away knives because they they believed he was a liability, they believed his threat, and then they would not, they would then he would then be allowed to go and buy guns to replace the knives. It's it's. I I think also in America there is this um, misguided overbelief in the police. I think that that um, you know the the police are fallible. They're human like everybody else. We, we saw in Uvalde, it's not just that they're fallible, it's that they can be as, as guilty of cowardice and dereliction of duty as anybody else, you know. And and so the, this belief that, the, well, the police will save us is, is, you know, it's seen time and time again that, yes, you do have heroically brave policemen, but 
But it's just naive to think that that um, they're going to catch all these things. So once again, I say it's back to taking, you know, big steps, but but simple steps like getting rid of assault weapons. Now I'm not saying if there are no assault weapons that this kid. He's not a kid, he's 22 years old, that he, he wouldn't have bought handguns instead or, or an ordinary hunting rifle. He may have done that, but it's a lot more difficult. Uh, you know, you've got to fire your first shot and the reloading. It's, a, you know, it takes a lot longer to kill people with, you know, uh, th- th- on the level that he wanted to kill people on that level um, w- with any other type of weapon besides an assault weapon. And, you know, again, he told the police he was also planning a second shooting. And, and you know, this this clearly was a guy who just who just wanted to kill people and he was afforded the means to do it when he should never have been that it should never have happened but you know you're always going to have human error you're always going to have oversight and the way to me just the simplest solution is as i said um is just put an outright ban on assault weapons make it a criminal offense to own one and then you have a, an amnesty buyback where where you know, basically, anybody who owns them can hand them in and can get their money back. And you know, it's it would be cumbersome, it would be expensive, um, it, but it would be, and of course, it will meet with absolute huge, incredible pushback from the gun lobby and the gun manufacturers and the NRA. But the 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 alternative is that things just keep going. And you know, Gerald, unfortunately, there is a belief in America, and and there has been poll after poll that says that basically. The, these shootings, the, the deaths of children in schools, of, of grandfathers at parades, of, of gay people in nightclubs, of, of, you know, just black people in saying their prayers in churches. Americans believe by a majority that this is the price you have to pay for having guns in a free society, that this is a, a price mm. you pay and that, yes, it's unfortunate, but, you know, the alternative they believe is worse. And, and that's something that no amount of legislation is going to change at the moment if if the mindset is that that you are as entitled to own a gun as you are to own a car then well, you know it's it's a huge uphill battle well we have covered some really wild stuff in the last few weeks the supreme court striking down Ro- roe v wade this country now you'd have to say plagued with gun violence it's now it's now an epidemic that they're facing in terms of these mass shootings. The rising cost of gasoline, because as I say, rising, it's not high, it's continuing to rise. Food and other goods, it's frustrated is, I guess, how you describe the American public now. How much is Joe Biden's hands tied in relation to these things? And how frustrating is that for Democrats? Are we seeing corner being turned in terms of their view of him? I don't know if a corner has been turned in as much as they're being less discreet than they were. Uh, I think Biden has been wrong-footed on a couple of different things. For starters, his response to the Highland Park shooting was kind of odd. It was kind of off note. You know, he didn't it was almost like he didn't get it. He, you know, he he put out a sort of a holding statement that was just not anywhere near what it should have been. And then you had, as I said, the Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker, who a lot of people see as a future potential presidential candidate. And he came out and he really connected with people with the frustration, the anger, the despair they were feeling, you know, in, in that Biden had effectively created a vacuum. And, and then 
You also, Biden, after Roe v. Wade was struck down, a lot of people felt that his response just wasn't enough, that it fell short. He did not connect with the frustration of American women with their shock, with their with their fear, basically, that he he just didn't speak to it. And and you know, this uh, people believe that look, Biden is a devout Catholic, that he respects the right to choose, but he is not privately um pro-choice and that he finds this a difficult topic. Well, you know, you're president. You're the and and you know, you're a president who's a Democrat and you're a president who has gone to the polls on you know, a, a, a pledge to protect the rights of women. And so I'm sorry, but you've got to step up. You know, you've, you've mm. got to step up. Now, he has stepped up in bits and pieces, but he's basically done that thing that really disillusions Democrats where they're just seen in the face of this sort of Mack truck hurtling down the road of Republican will and, and where they just steamroll them, where they, they just stand there and wring their hands and go, oh God, you know, and this was something, just to get back to the 4th of July celebration that, you know, friends of mine were were discussing, uh, uh, you know, across the, the, a reasonable part of the political spectrum, there were no hardcore Republicans there, there were no Trump supporters there, it has to be said, but they were saying that, you know, Democrats just come across as so impotent that they, they're frustrated by, by their inability to square up to the Republican Party, that they are driven by such a ferocious will and they act like just a blunderbuss, that they, they will just, you know, do whatever they want to do regardless. And that Democrats never seem to have the ability to stand up. So now, well, I have to say that the, the reason for the most sort of, um, the, the biggest dampener on, on 4th of July amongst people that I was talking to was the Supreme Court, because as several Americans said, you can vote out Biden in two years. Trump was voted out after a term. You cannot vote out the Supreme Court. And this is a Supreme Court that's hell-bent yeah. on basically just rolling America back to the 1950s. It's hell-bent on it, and, and we can see it, and it's doing it on a near, with, with all of the decisions that were made in, in the final term. It, 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 just the cumulative effect, effect of that is, is, is just shocking, and it's, it's really demoralizing for Americans. And then you saw, of course, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Now, I've always had respect for Gavin Newsom because A, he's an efficient governor, and B, he's not afraid to take the battle to Republicans. He's not afraid to stand up to them. When Trump was president, he was almost alone in bringing case after case after case in suing Trump on a near weekly basis to block some of his successes. And he was successful in a, in a lot of instances, but he he was not cowed by Trump. And last week, again, Newsom, um, Newsom sort of almost taking the battle on the national stage, paid for ads to be shown on Fox News in Florida, in which he was saying to Floridians, you know, move to California. Your governor's a tyrant. He's an authoritarian. Basically, you've no, you know, abortion rights, the right to read books, the right for your kids to have maths books in schools. Like, you know, look what's going on in your state. It's nuts. And, and you know, I think to me, I suspect there's no doubt that Newsom will run for governor or for president, I beg your pardon, at some point. You know, he's a young guy. He's a smart guy. He's got a lot of energy. The thing that's not going from with the Democrats now that it's not in his favor is that He's a wealthy white man, and mm. that is not really what the Democrats, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for a, a party that will be more representative, that will be more. But I actually think, look, America wants a strong Democratic leader 
if that is a woman, by all means, but if it's not, you pick the best candidate for the time. And I really do think that, you know, it's it's kind of ironic for De- for Biden. Biden really does feel that the Democrats are not really his friends, that they've never really, you know, Obama humiliated him by by supporting Hillary Clinton over him in 2016. Now he had just lost his son. He was obviously in no mental state to run. He was he was paralyzed with grief. But the, there's always been a thing that, oh, you know, Biden, yeah, he's fine, but he's a backroom guy. He was, you know, he was never seen as a key player in the Obama administration. He was regarded as a kind of a nice guy, but a windbag. And he was like, yeah, 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 Joe's going on and on. He didn't, you know, hold a lot of power in that position. And I think that the the Democrats sort of thought, okay, he's the guy who can beat Trump. You know, it seems that he's the one who'll beat Trump, so we better go with him, even though they weren't that enthusiastic about him. And I think now that they feel, oh, you know, he's not up to the job. I think there's an unspoken thing in the Democratic Party that he's just not, he's not forceful enough, that he 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 really, he hasn't got the, the communication skills that are necessary for the moment uh, and, and, and that they need somebody way stronger in 2024. Now, they won't take, Biden keeps saying, I'm running in 24, I'm running in 24, but it's like they won't take yes for an answer because they keep saying, well, well, is he going to run? Is he going to run? And he keeps going, yes, I am. They continually (laughs) ask it. Why isn't Kamala Harris in the reckoning? Uh, You know, she is, if you look at certain polls, she, she is in the reckoning that some people think that she could run for president, but there isn't a galvanizing of support around her. I like from the get go i think that one of her problems is that she it's hard to know what she stands for like people knew what hillary clinton stood for now she had her personality coached to within an inch of life just told you're too shrill you're too this you need to be more that but people knew what she stood for from the time she was 18 or 19 years old she was an advocate for women's rights for children's rights for better health care you know she was a and, and, you know, even when she ran, she had policies for everything. My God, she wrote a 280-page book about her policies, about the things that she wanted to do. And let's not forget that she did win the popular vote by three million, even though she lost the Electoral College vote, and that is the vote that counts. But Kamala Harris always seems to step back from the parapet at the wrong time. Now, she has been more vocal on abortion rights, but, you know, I've seen her so many times where she's asked about things and she'll say, well, we should certainly have a conversation about that. I'm sorry, you know, and and it's real mom that, stuff. Yeah, she was doing that the whole way through um, the the 2020 primaries. It's like nobody's going to vote for someone who says, "Well, we should have a conversation about yeah, it," yeah, you know, yeah. about the hard stuff, uh, because you're basically just kicking it down the road. You're showing that you don't want to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in. Uh, and I think that, you know, there, the, she has been unfairly targeted by the media. There's a there's misogyny in it. There's an element of racism in it, absolutely. But and she's also hasn't been helped by the Biden administration. She's been given, you know, these things were like, okay, you're going to deal with immigration. You're going to deal with the big impossible things that essentially nobody's been able to fix for decades. For for, you know, in the case of immigration, the last time there was significant reform was in the 80s. Uh, you know, so it, she's she's sort of not be she's been but in the absence of defining herself, like if she got out there, and I think now she has opportunities, um, I think the Supreme Court, she's a former prosecutor, she has the opportunity 
to articulate what's happening there very clearly and very forcefully to the American people. Roe v. Wade, she absolutely has the opportunity to get out there. And as a woman, you know, who who's, you know, got younger, she's got a younger stepdaughter, she's got nieces, she's got a family. And, you, you know, you don't have to have any of that. But in America, they love to say, well, as a mother and as an aunt and blah, blah, blah. You know, they love to say that if you don't have yeah. these things, you're basically not at the party. But mm. she has a she has a platform there. She could also, should she choose it, have a platform on environmental issues. She comes from California, which has one of them is is one of the it's the leading state at tackling environmental issues. But Biden has now let that slide. Now I understand why he did partially, but he's also missed a moment. And this is where I think Democrats are frustrated with Biden. You know, he's never going to win. The, the rising petrol price war because it's going up and it's going up and blaming Russia and blaming Ukraine is not going to cut it. What he, as I, I've said to you before, missed his moment in saying, you know, in rallying the people saying, look, this is why we have to go green. Okay, we can't do it right at the moment. We still need to have gas, but we need to accelerate it. We need to get there so the next time something like this happens, we're fine. We're, you know, we don't have to rely on fossil fuels. And he he's missed that moment as well. He's you know, I, I don't, I think most Americans believe that he's a well-meaning leader. He's a fundamentally decent leader. He's a fundamentally good man. He's a, a sea change away from Trump and that corruption and thuggery and cronyism and, and you know, willful law-breaking. But the combination of he and Merrick Garland, who's another quite timid, quite cautious, quite slow-moving um, man as Attorney General at the moment is just not what the country needs. And and there is a sort of a, 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 a unspoken acquiescence about that amongst Democrats, Democrats that I'm speaking to. Nobody that I've spoken to in the last six months is passionate about Biden running again. Nobody's going, he's our guy, he's got to run. You know, Literally and, and nobody. No. Nobody wow. I've spoken to. And I, you know, I speak to Democrats around the country and, and you know, as I say, Democrats who are, who go from, from moderate and, and, you know, could have been like, you know, 30 years ago, either Democrats or Republicans um, to, to ones who are fully paid up subscribers to Liz, Elizabeth Warren and, 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 and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and, you know, Democrats on, on that side of, of the aisle. Uh, but, but as I say, nobody's enthusiastic about Biden and nobody's enthusiastic about him when he won. It has to be said when he won the primary back in 2018, everybody's like, oh, geez, I suppose. Well, you know, he's the best of a, you know, he's the one most likely to beat Trump. But I think now that, that, um, Seeing the the midterms, I I suspect now, I don't think that Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court is going to galvanize um, Democrats as much really? as they would like, as much as the party apparatchiks would like. But I think that there is a a growing sense that that with January sixth, which is being effective in a very subtle way, that people are looking at, well, do we really want the country to go? In this, you know, when you when you put it all together, that that do they really want Republicans taking over? Because Republicans right now are looking pretty damn crazy, and the ones that aren't crazy are looking like cowards. With with you know a handful, literally a handful of exceptions, and I, it seems that the polls at the moment are showing that, yeah, you know, um, Republicans are 
more likely than not to take control of the House because of the gerrymandering, because of the new seats that they've gotten as a result of the redrawing of electoral districts, and because traditionally the, the guy who's in the White House's party always gets kicked out in the midterms. Uh, but I think that they're hoping that it won't be by the same majority. You know, a while ago they were talking 70 seats, losing 70 seats. Now they're not. Now, now they're talking about swing seats and and. You know, I don't know if this is just um, delusional, but but certainly um, I think that the Senate, it's possible that they could hold on to the Senate. And I think that that would be very important. So we'll see what happens um, if they don't get the, as kicked around as, as they're expected to. Will that help Biden? Possibly, but it's not going to send a floodgate of enthusiasm surging towards him for, for 2024. Well, we're recording this in the evening of Thursday, the 7th of the July 2022, the day that Boris Johnson finally bit the bullet or did he? I mean, his resignation speech was a masterclass in evasion. Uh, yep. But then that's kind of been his entire time as prime minister lies more lies evasion and bluffing it's it's really been an extraordinary time to live in this country and the fact that he won't leave when he was so obsessed with leaving uh, to get into office it does pair him up with donald trump in terms of his legacy as somebody the bold child who literally won't leave his birthday party until they turn the lights out and kill the microphone. And then uh, he's lying on the ground. Kicking <laughs> he's <anyway>. lying <laughs> on the ground. But, uh, you know, I wonder why this delay. I do wonder why not just ride off now into the sunset. Some of it has to be the same Donald Trump stuff of being actually kind of addicted to the role and the pomp yeah. and the ceremony that comes with it. With Indeed. As Mikey turned to me today, said, he doesn't like leading people. He likes being prime minister. Exactly. And I think it's a very, very astute exactly. point. But yeah. we have a big Trump story that we're going to cover in the second half of this conversation. You know how to hear it. It's over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. It's how we make this show. You hear it for free here on whatever platform you're enjoying right now. But to keep the lights on, to pay Marion, to pay myself, to get the whole show on the road, costs money. We need you to support Irishman uh, in America. And to do that, you kick in a fiver over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. And in return, you get double sized episodes of all three of our weekly chats. So come on over now and hear the second half of our discussion as we cover that Trump story. Uh, what else will we cover? Pat, uh, Pat, Pat jumping into these testimonies, Sarah Matthews. Yeah, we've, uh, yeah. we've, we've a lot to get through. Let's head over there now. I hope you'll come with us. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.